everyone, this is Derek Mack. Thanks for joining us for a Circuit Rider podcast. To know us, we are a YWAM missions movement in Huntington Beach, California, with a passion to save the lost, revive the save, and train them all. Circuit Rider Conversations podcast is a series of raw conversations surrounding the Bible, Jesus, and what it means to live like him in today's culture. You are listening to a Circuit Rider Conversation podcast. Welcome to CR Sunday Conversation. We are excited to be with you. I'm not Derek. You're not Derek. (laughs) And I'm not Zach. Where is Derek? We don't know. No, I'm Zach. And uh, this is Graham. Graham. (laughs) And we're excited to be here. We, uh, man, we're we're excited you're with us. And we're doing a new series today. It's true. We just had an incredible series on the circuit riders. So, If you didn't catch the Circuit Riders series, go back and watch those because they're life changing. <laughs> it's so true. They're so good. Yeah. Um, so good that we we're called Circuit Riders. <laughs> it's awesome. But um, I'm excited, guys. We are starting a new series today, and we're going after revival. <laughs> revival. revival. Let's go. So we're we're going to talk about different revivals and the Reformation. Uh, so many different. Man, so much to pull from in yeah, history true. to talk about when God has intervened so and done good. something spectacular. And so today we're going to be talking about the Welsh revival. Come on, dude. And the Azusa Street revival. So we'll see how much we get through um, because there's a lot to cover. Dude, something I love so much about history mm-hmm. is the reality of what God has done, but, right. but what he's doing now. That's good. And I often think about... Um, Like when Jesus walked the earth and the people that were with him in that day, which is the greatest revival that probably ever happened, Mm -hmm. Jesus come to earth. But when he came, did it just feel like another day? Wow. Like I think about like even what we're going to be talking about today with with Evan Roberts and um, the Welsh revival and William Seymour and the Azusa Street revival, like. They brushed their teeth that day. Yeah. You know, like hopefully. It probably, yeah. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> it probably just felt like another day. But I feel like we're in another moment. Yeah. In in time where it is. Like we're living our everyday lives, but we're believing for an outpouring of God's presence. So even as I've been studying these revivals, I've got hit with fresh faith. Yeah. To be like, man. What's possible in my day? Though it seems like I'm in an everyday moment, maybe I'm not. And maybe we're on the edge of something so special. I believe that, bro. 100% I believe that. And I, it's, it's interesting to look back right over history and see that there's key moments when God intervenes. Yeah. And he comes in a profound way and it changes things. That's true. And that's what I, I think when you study revival, if you're not a student of revival, I want to encourage you to become a student of revival. Because I know for me, uh, when I first joined YWAM and I was doing my DTS in Kona, which was so fun, I remember on Sunday nights, me and a couple guys, we would just get together and sit in the classroom and we would literally just read revival stories. Dude. It wasn't on the schedule. It wasn't like a planned time. It was like, hey, we should just we should just read these stories. And I just I was so gripped with the possibility of what God could do in my life and through my life if I was surrendered to him and could believe for the impossible. On, bro. And I think when we when we start when we become a student of revival, it really creates a hunger. It's true. For revival. Yeah. Cuz you can't really you can't really hunger for it if you haven't 
read about it or experienced it in a way where you're like, man, this is possible. Yeah, we get good. a taste of it when we when we study it. And so, anyways, I'm excited to jump in. We're going to start off with the Welsh revival, okay, um, tonight or today this morning, um, because. Uh, this revival was so key and it's, it impacted the globe in a profound way. And it had a real massive impact on Azusa Street. That's very and true. so we're going to start with it. But before we do that, you know, it's revival. I feel like that word gets tossed around and yeah. you can really become numb to the word. You can become cynical to the word. You can become just like, oh yeah, revival, revival. And just kind of get in that zone where you lose the the faith to believe for it because it's become so familiar. Yeah. The word. And right. so I just kind of wanted to break down what I, what I view revival as. Um, and so I really, I wrote this down that God by nature is a God who blesses, mm. right? Like if we think about God by his nature, he blesses. And so revival is when God blesses us with an outpouring of the spirit in an increased way that breathes life into the church mm. and it awakens the lost to their dire need of Jesus for salvation. That is so good. It's, it's the blessing of his presence that comes wow. in, a, in a profound way. We know theologically, right? Like he, he, Jesus said, I'll always be with you. You know, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. We know that when we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We're sealed. He's with us. But it's just hard to argue when you read through history that there aren't moments when God comes in a greater measure. Hmm. And so I believe, you know, what we're going to find today as we talk about these is these are key moments um, where God came in a greater, greater measure. Hmm. And so um, books and books have been written on revival. Uh, a lot of the stuff I'm pulling from is a book called Revival Fires by Wesley Duell. Grab this book. It's an incredible history of revival. But, man, there's so many you can pull from. So, um, Anyways, the, the Welsh Revival uh, began in 1904, but what's interesting about revival, what I've found, is that it's really difficult to pinpoint the exact moment mm. and say, this is the moment revival started. Yeah, that's real. Um, there's, you know, there's, there are key moments and there are key men and women that God uses in revival uh, as instruments. And you can look at those and know, okay, this was a key moment. Mm -hmm. But um, what I found as I, you know, have studied revival and studied the, the Welsh revival is that it, I think it's from like 1850 up until the revival started, there was a worldwide prayer happening all across the earth for revival. Come on, dude. Companies of prayer warriors meeting together, crying out for an outpouring of the spirit in, in the earth. And wow. so how can you ever really say, well, Graham, you're the reason revival started. You know, we're standing on the shoulders of generations and generations of yeah. intercession. That's good. And so, um, you know, the, it's really hard to pinpoint, but I do want to talk about a, a few key figures, a few key moments. I know we'll do that with the Azusa Street uh, yeah. uh, revival as well, just to kind of highlight what, you know, what did God do? How did it start? And I think it'll help us really become aware of the times we live in. That's right. To, to recognize maybe this is a moment where God is longing to pour out his spirit. Come on. Um, so again, time doesn't allow for us to cover and exhaust both of these revivals. Yeah. And I, I think a little kind of warning statement I would say is I know for me, I'm not a crazy expert or historian but I am a student and I've been learning so much lately. And I just feel like 
just to have this conversation. Like Zach, you're one of my closest friends. Yeah. Like it's just so fun to talk about revival. So just let let this thing just keep stirring so in you wherever you're at. It's awesome. Let's go. Um, Dr. J. Edwin Orr, who's a revival historian, he considers, you know, so this is his opinion that, you know, the first decade in the 1900s, so 1900 to 1910, he considers those, that decade, one of the most profound seasons of revival that the earth has ever seen. Wow. Um, there, I mean, there are so many uh, outpourings of the spirit that happened in this time frame, And, um, you know, in this book I referenced, it says that revival fires, they burned bright in this season in Europe, North America, Australia, South Africa, Korea, China, and Latin America. Dang. And so all those places had real outpourings of the spirit, real moments of prayer, intercession, and salvation. And it's said that more than 5 million people in those nations were won to Christ in the first two years of this decade of revival. Oh Five million people. Five million people from all those nations in in uh, in those years. So, what I found interesting is that the, especially in the Welsh revival and in those moments, one of the key attributes to revival and to seeing salvation were prayer meetings. Gosh, so simple prayer meeting. So, you know, you wouldn't think about like, Hey, we're gonna have a prayer meeting today, and salvation is gonna break out during the <laughs> prayer meeting. I don't think about that, right? Like. I mean, if I'm honest, I think that prayer meetings are probably the least attended meetings in church life. Yeah. I know growing up, I never wanted to go to the prayer meeting. We should make them popular again. <laughs> we need to make them popular again. Really? Because it's interesting, you know, as we get into this Welsh revival too, that it was, it was not always the preaching that mm-hmm. brought salvation. It was prayer meetings. That's right. And it was prayer meetings that happened in the 1800s as well, where people would be gripped with conviction, Man. fall to their knees, and and come to their this knowledge of their own uh, inability to save themselves. Yeah, well, this is so interesting because something that's even highlighted in the Azusa Street revival um, with Frank Bartleman's life, he talks about this, but he talks about the the essence of being gripped with prayer, but he calls it travail. Mm-hmm. And the reality of literally your heart is so burning mm. for the desires of God. He, he equated it to almost like, like pregnancy and wow. like childbirth. And he yep. said, look, before you get like a new movement that's birthed, like there's labor and wow. a process that goes into it. Wow. So it's just so interesting to get wrapped up in the story, those same kind of almost birth pains of revival. Yeah. It really is prayer and it's a consecrated heart yep. to God and us getting his heart for That's the good. world. And then all of a sudden something start happens. It happens in us and it begins affecting other people. And then the virality of that is just insane. Yeah, no, that's, it's so real. And what's, so Evan Roberts is a key, he's a key figure. And really he was the key figure in the Welsh revival. If you look up the Welsh revival, you Google it, Evan Roberts' name is gonna pop up. Evan Roberts, check this out. In, in 1891, uh, he was 13 years old wow. and he began to work in the coal mines. I think when he was 12, actually, he began to work in the coal mines. And it was at 13 years old that he was gripped with this great hunger and desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. At 13 years old, I was, when I was 13, I did not think about being filled with the Holy Spirit. That wasn't my go-to uh, first thought in the morning, you know? Yeah. But um, Evan Roberts was... Uh, 
he was this young man who was gripped with this desire to be filled with the spirit. And he would read the, the scriptures for hours. It said that he would, even at dinner time, he was known to get up from the middle of his dinner and just go labor in prayer as a young boy of 13 years old. And that, and he was the key, one of the key figures, obviously, in the Welsh revival. And it goes to show that there's this. It, he says he would he would pray frequently with deep groans and holy desire. Dude, let it be said of this generation who's currently That's 13 years old. That's it. If Gen you're 13 Z. years old, and you're watching right now. Come on. May it be said of your life that you are gripped with a holy desire. That's right. And a deep groaning to be filled with the spirit. And so that is the, this is the man who God chose as his, you know, his chosen instrument in the Welsh revival, this intensity, this desire to be filled with the spirit and for the spirit to be sent to Wales in revival. Come on. That was his two prayers. Lord, fill me with your spirit and send your spirit to bring revival um, to Wales. And so, like I said, there was all these prayer meetings happening um, outpourings across the globe, places like India, the Far East, Africa, America, Britain, Latin America, uh, thousands upon thousands across the globe were crying out for a worldwide outpouring. Man. And I think this is something we'll see in Azusa Street as well, is yeah. this, this um, how prayer really prepares the way, in a sense. Prayer is the, it's the, it's necessary to see revival come. It doesn't come without prayer. Yeah, 100%. Um, and so uh, as we go on here, I got my notes, we can kind of keep blazing through because there is so much. But from 1896 to 1904, uh, there were small pockets of Welsh people crying out for revival in their nation. So like small pockets, like five, six, seven, five, eight people. Five, six, in house. two, four, like it's just these, these groups of people who were gripped there was, you know, they were gripped in prayer and they were crying out for change in their nation. They were crying out for the, specifically for an outpouring of the spirit. That's the language I continue to come across is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Wow. And so there was this young man, uh, his name was Seth Joshua, and he, he had been praying actually for an ordinary young man who worked in the coal mine in the coal miner in the field to be sent to Wales to bring revival? Like that was his prayer, and so think you have young uh, Evan Roberts working in the coal mines at 12 years old, being gripped by God, and Seth's praying for him, and Seth is praying for him uh, to to he's, for just this ordinary young man to come. And Evan is 13 years old when he gets gripped. Evan was 13 years old when he was gripped by God. Yeah. Um, and so that's a really key moment in this is to see Evan Roberts grip. But there's another key moment, which is really fun for me. I love this, this story, is that there was a man named Joshua Jenkins, and he was longing for an outpouring of the Spirit in Wales. And he was crying out for God to send the Spirit and change the church. Hmm. That was his cry. That was his heart cry. So he was leading this youth gathering. And I think it was one Sunday morning in um, early 1904, maybe February. And he's having a youth gathering. And he asked all these young people, you know, to, to share their experience of religion and to really maybe to share, like, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Hmm. So there's all these different answers begin to come uh, from these young people. And, you know, it's 
maybe they're right answers, but there was lacking the passion and the zeal that he's longing for in these young people. Mm. And then there's this young girl named Flory Evans. And Flory Evans stands up in front of her peers. And there's, there was this long silence before she stood up. And she stands up wow. and she declares, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. Oh, man. And they said, historians say that that prayer sent shockwaves through the nation. That that young girl's declaration of her radical love for yeah. Jesus touched Joshua Jenkins and it, and it set the tone. It, it was a key moment. It was a flashpoint, really, and a catalyst for this revival. Many historians trace it back and say that moment was when something broke open through her declaration. I just feel the presence of God just as we're Come on, like man. literally stating that. Could you just state that one more man, time? I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. So for my special for me, those of you who don't know me, is I named my daughter yeah. Flory after Flory after Flory Evans because I believe that there's a generation coming that will have such purity in their love for Jesus. Come on. Such devotion in their love for Jesus that it will bring in a massive harvest. So my daughter's name is Flory Harvest. Nash. And so um, that's really special for me. I spent some time in Wales. Actually, I'll share some of that yeah, yeah. today. Um, but man, what's hitting you when we're talking about this? Because this is this isn't like stirring stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm getting so stirred literally by by this story that literally happened a little over 100 years ago and how fresh it is yeah. when you're repeating that line. Can you imagine being in that little church when Flory says that line. Yeah. And it's like Seth Jacobs. Like, I've never heard his name. Like, maybe you've never heard Flory's name before. But it's like, I feel like if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to us on yeah. Spotify, if you've gotten this far along, you probably have a burning heart yeah. for God and a burning heart for revival. And maybe no one knows your name. But maybe it's like that one statement from your life that marks your community. Yeah. Maybe good. it's that one statement like from the the way that you get gripped in prayer from even maybe a moment like this, as simple as this moment is, what could be sparked in our yeah, lives? It's good. And I do feel Zach so like so key that there is a generation that is getting gripped. Yeah. There is a generation that's getting gripped in prayer. And to think that even those prayers began from 12, 13, 14 year olds and knowing like, man, God's raising up a generation right now yeah. to pray those same prayers and to have the same revelation that Flory had. Yeah. Jesus, I love you with all of my heart. Yeah. And it's the it's the the, the crazy things that confound the wise. Yeah. Like you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have a pedigree of success. You don't have to That's right. have a doctor's degree in theology. You just need to have a revelation of loving Jesus yeah, with all your heart that could spark a move of God that could change millions of that's lives. That's right. So good. Let's keep going. Dude, this is good. Let's go, man. So I love this conversation. I, thought, I think that was in February, early 1904. Okay. So let's fast forward to September okay. 1904. There's um, some young leaders, Seth Joshua and Evan Roberts um, and others were gathered together to pray. 
And this is the prayer that really launched him into it. So there's this prayer and it's bend us, O God, bend us. And that was the prayer that Seth Joshua prayed and the Lord spoke to Evan Roberts in that time and says, this is, this is the prayer for you. And really what it means is it's, it's bend me to your will. Yes. It's, it's bring yes. me into submission to the will of the Lord, like bend yes. me into that place. And that began the, became the cry of Evan Roberts. Wow. And it was in that prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit was poured out in a fresh way, um, which, you know, began to sweep across the nation from this prayer meeting. Wow. Uh, bend us, oh God. What a prayer. Dude, that is a scary prayer, but a really good one. Yeah. But I feel that's what the Lord is longing for in a generation. It, and it's this, it's it's yieldedness. Yeah, it's good. It's surrender. Like the boldness to pray a prayer that God would bend you, that our wills would be fully submitted to his. Yeah. Like when his will is accomplished on the earth, like it's always a good thing. But sometimes it greatly affects what our own desires yeah, are. that's right. And that type of prayer, bend me, oh God. Yeah. It changes the trajectory of our lives. Yeah, it's good. So I just want to dare you right now. Like that that literally is probably the most dangerous prayer mm. that you could pray. Mm. Would you be one that would pray, bend me, oh God. Yeah. Break every resistance in my life that would resist your will. Yeah. Man, let's just pray that right now. Yeah. Father, I pray right now yes, in Jesus' name. God, that you would bend us. God, that you would bend a generation once more. But God, I'm praying for me. I'm asking for me. Jesus, bend me. God, I want to be a yielded vessel to your will. I don't want to just do the normal everyday thing or everyday life. Jesus, I want to know what you're up to on the earth. So Jesus, we say, bend us, God. Bend us, God. We join in that same prayer meeting that Evan Roberts led over 100 years ago. And we pray that same prayer. Come on, if you're listening right now over Spotify, in your car, wherever you're at, on YouTube, just begin to say, God, yes, God. bend yes. me. Yes, God. Man. Let's go. Bro, we're in it, Let's dude. Let's go. Come on. There's more prayers, bro. I don't know if we can handle them. <laughs> you know what's so more funny? More prayers. There's more prayers, but you know what's so funny? I'm skipping ahead here. But legitimately in the revival, they would people would have to ask, they would say, like, Jesus, like, lay off of me and I might die. Like, hold off. Like, keep your hand off of me. If I get any more, I might die. Like, that was a that was a real cry from people because the weighty presence would fill these little chapels and people would come under the presence of God and they would ask Jesus, no more unless I die. My goodness. I don't know if I've been in that type of weighty environment but I'm open. I want it. I'm hungry. <laughs> that is way better than Instagram. I will say that right wow, now, dude. that is true. I would much rather have that. That's true. Let's keep going here. Okay. So what happened is Revival Fire literally, almost, uh, they say almost like at the exact same time, began to break out in the north of Wales and in the south of Wales. Wow. So Evan Roberts was really key in the south of Wales. He was used in southern Wales. Um, and he, here's what would happen. He have, I think this was like the first meeting or 
the first few meetings after that prayer meeting, when it really began to ramp up and like before long, thousands were gathering together. They, you know, multiple churches were meeting at the same times because you couldn't, they couldn't be in the same facility. And here's the prayer he would have them repeat. Are you ready for this? (laughs) I don't don't know know if you're ready, bro. I don't know, bro. You might have to step out for this one. (laughs) Here was the prayer. Send the Holy Spirit for Jesus Christ's sake. And he would just have them repeat that. Send the Holy Spirit for Jesus Christ's sake. And he would have them, they would repeat this prayer. And guess what happened? (laughs) Tell me. Holy Spirit was poured out in a profound way. So much so that that is when it just these prayers, these little prayer meetings, is what launches this massive awakening and revival in the nation. From an unknown man, had no fame, didn't have Instagram, didn't have marketing, didn't have commercials. It was just a, a groan on the inside and a longing for God that started when he was 13 years old. And all of a sudden, these public prayers become this unified sound in a room that God said, that's something I can send my glory on. And how old is he at this moment when he's I think he was to... I think he was around 26 years old when he was leading the revival. Come because on. it was 13 years of him crying out to God for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And he's 26 years old and the Holy Spirit begins to be poured out in Wales. And we're about to go into full-blown revival mode right now. Uh, can, can I pause? Should we take a commercial break? I think we should <laughs> because good. there's literally 25, 26, 27-year-olds, 20-year-olds watching this right now. And literally God poured out on Evan Roberts' yeah. life to see an outpouring of his spirit at that age yeah. to see something begin to move on the earth yeah. that changed people forever. That's real. Changed history. Old. Yeah. Wow. So let's keep going. I'm trying to figure out how much this, what I need to skip over because we could, like I said, we could talk for a long time on these, but I want to get to Azusa Street as well. Yeah. Um, but there were four main points that he would, when he would preach. Now, you got to understand about the Welsh Revival. It wasn't centered around preaching. It was centered around singing and praying. So there would be mm. moments of exhortation, but that wasn't like we're, we think of church today as like, go, right. your pastor gives a sermon do like five minutes of worship on the, you know, the response. And then we're, we're out the door headed to Arby's, you know, <laughs> getting a roast beef sandwich. That was me growing up. Praise God for Arby's. But no, they, they were, it was prayer and singing, but there were four emphasis points he had really that he would teach and, and they kind of were built around. So here they are. You ready for these? Number one, it was confess openly and fully any unconfessed sin. So confess openly and fully any unconfessed sin. Number two, Put away from your life anything doubtful. So put anything doubtful away from your life. Number three, obey promptly anything the Spirit tells you to say or do. Whoa. Obey promptly. I think, what is it? Is it Joy Dawson who who really charged us with uh, delayed obedience is disobedience? It's true. My goodness. Forgive me, Lord. Number four (laughs) was confess Christ openly. Come on. Confess. So those were four main points that Evan Roberts really built into people around this revival. Wow. But what's awesome is these prayer meetings, bro, would last like eight hours into the night, two, three, four a.m. They couldn't, they never, they wouldn't stop. And they don't have to force people out. But what's so cool is that people from all different denominations would come 
and they would forget the, div- the division of their denominations because the presence of God would come in such a profound way that they became instant friends and family and laid aside their denominational preference Dude. for the presence of God. Isn't that so interesting? Like we all, no matter what our background is, we really, as believers, we just want Jesus. Yeah, that's good. Like his presence is supreme. His presence is absolutely the best. And it's like, man, that's so wild that there was no strategy meeting. There's no, how do we get unity? It is Jesus and who he is and what he does. Yeah, Man, I long for that. Yeah, that's good. Can I read some quotes? Please do. This is is so encouraging to hear some like real accounts, like people who were there. You ready for this one? Okay, here we go. So this this is a one attendee from the revival. So this is twenty five years after the revival's over. Okay. This is a man, and this was what he how he explained what was happening. Are you guys ready? Are you ready? Here we go. Get ready. He said it was the universal, inescapable sense of the presence of God. The inescapable sense of the presence of God. Basically, what he was saying is there was nowhere you could go in the country and escape his presence. It was like everywhere you went, it wasn't relegated to a meeting or a building. It was in the streets. It was in the homes. It was in the bars. It was in the coal mines. It was in the fields. It was everywhere. I heard there were actually in the UK warning signs that if you went to Wales, like to be ready for interesting religious activity. Wow. I believe it. No, seriously. The newspapers picked up on it. I mean, it's like headlines, headlines about the spiritual activity. And now this is, this is when I was in Wales, this is one story I heard and I believe no reason to make it up. You hear all the stories. You were in Wales. I was in Wales in 2012. Oh, cool. And so we're talking about this, you know, I'm just, I'm a revival junkie at this point, just like (laughs) eating it up, you know? And, uh, and they said that there was headlines that I think it was the north of Wales was getting upset at the south of Wales because in the south, it was said that you could hear angels singing in the street, but you couldn't in the north. And so they were like, why can't we hear the angels in the street? They get it in the south. And so there was, they said there was a headline about it in the paper division over who can hear the angels in the street. So anyways, let's keep going. But that, that was it. That, that was the, a real marker for this wow. revival. And I think for any true revival is that when revival hits, it's not limited to a building. That's right. Or a meeting. So good. God is looking to meet you. I mean, he was meeting people and they said like in the bars and the saloons, people would come in, they would buy a drink, set it down and they would leave having never picked it back up because they would come under great conviction of the Holy Spirit, get radically saved, and leave. <laughs> story after story, man. Theaters, <laughs> factories, everywhere people gathered became a place of awe. You were just in awe of the presence of God no matter where you came together. Wow. We need to, we need to, we need to up our game, bro. I want to see this in my day. Come on. I'm getting so stirred, bro. Literally so provoked by what you're saying that this is literal, actual history. Yeah. And God did this. Yeah. And he can do it again. Yeah. 
because there was a deep there was a deep groaning in the people uh, for his presence, and then it became this inescapable place. Multiple people used that word in quotes I read. Inescapable, you could not get away from it. What, let me ask you a question: What do you think brought the people to this place of desperation for him? It's a great question. I mean, I think what I've noticed is one is God is the great initiator. Mm. So God initiates revival. Faith is a gift. Hunger is a gift. Yeah. And so I really think that there's, you know, people were positioned. I think there's a sovereignty to it that God said, this is a moment. But I think at the same time, there has to be, it's that heart that David had. It's the moldable heart yeah. that's tender before him and that isn't perfect. But it's, it carries a, a sense of humility and a awareness of our own frailty and a great desire and need for him. Yeah. Um, and so there was just the, per, it just seems like there was the perfect equation of brokenness, of des, deep desire and prayer of, you know, 13 years of prayer for Evan Roberts. It wasn't like he went to five prayer meetings and got discouraged. Yeah. He, he labored in prayer for this in, infilling of the spirit and this outpouring. Wow. And so there is also a consistency and a longevity to it that I think God said, okay, I've, I've seen you. Wow. You've filled up some bowls in heaven right now, and I'm about to dump out on you all of your prayers mm. for this outpouring. And so, um, man, let's keep going here. We're, we're going to keep rumbling here. We're, we're, let's, let's blaze through this because there's a lot more. But um, I got to read another quote here. You ready? Uh, this is one man wrote this. He says, above all, there was a sense of the presence and holiness of God that pervaded every area of human experience. Wow. Whether you are at home, at work, in shops, or public houses, eternity seemed inescapably near and real. At the end of the second week of the revival, so at the end of the second week, it was evident that the plans of the revivalists had been superseded by the initiative of the Spirit. Wow. And the hopes of Evan Roberts had been overshadowed by the power of God. Man. So what's awesome is that people, when, the, um, when they would you know, go and they would witness these and be there, yeah. they would say that the leader of the meetings was the Holy Spirit. And that was Evan Roberts' big thing is that the Holy Spirit led the meetings, not him. That's the Holy Spirit took wow. charge of these. And, you know, what we talked about earlier is that the revival wasn't centered around great preaching. Mm. They were, it would be said that people would stand up and give testimonies. People would, they would sing hymns. They would go into prayer wow. and that's when the, the, the glory would come. Wow. But it was really a singing revival. And what's awesome is when I was in Wales, I was, I went and it was my first Sunday at this little church. And I've told this story to some of our, some of our circuit riders. It's a really fun story for me, but we're in this little church and it's amazing. They're worshiping tiny little church in Wales. And there's like a lull in the music and just kind of standing there. And, you know, you're expecting maybe someone's going to give a word or something's going to happen. And the guy sitting directly behind me was an older man in his, probably in his eighties, and he bursts out in this beautiful song, this beautiful hymn. Mm. And he says this as he's singing in the most beautiful Welsh uh, you know, voice. He says, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he chose to die alone for you and for me. 
but he sings it in this most glorious voice and the presence of God just hits me in such a profound way. And I remember after the service, I go to the pastor's church, I'm like, who is that and what was that? <laughs> and so he begins to tell me that's Harold and Harold's mom was born again. She was saved in the Welsh revival. Harold lived through George and Stephen Jeffries, which is a whole nother story, these tent revivals, these healing meetings. So we got to spend an afternoon with Harold, ask him questions. And man, just the richness of that time. He said he would stand on street corners as a young man and sing, sing hymns, sing songs. People would like run up, fall on their knees and ask what they needed to do to be saved. They would follow him home and knock on his door late at night because they saw him singing on the street corner and say, what do I need to do to be saved? Because he was singing. There was an anointing on, this, on the Welsh and in Wales for these songs. You know what one of the famous songs was? They call it the, I think it was the, the love song of the revival was um, Here is Love, you know, Here is Love, Vast as the Ocean, okay. that song. And so what would happen is people would give their life to Christ in the meetings and then they would burst out in that song. It would be like all of a sudden they would give a, you know, they've been praying and singing and then they would say, you know, who needs to give their life to Jesus? And people would just begin to stand up, confess their need for a savior. And then they would bust out in that song. Coal miners, hardworking men, breaking down, weeping under the presence of God. I said, Roberts wouldn't really preach against like gambling or drunkenness or immorality. He just would point people to Jesus and there was a massive social change, dude. Like in Wales during the revival, the jails emptied out. Like judges were bored, police officers were bored. Um, the you know the workhorses and the donkeys they used in the coal mine for like the coal miners in the fields, they had to retrain them because they were so used to hearing their the laborers curse at them to get them to get them to work. The the coal miners, the workers, they stopped cursing. <laughs> And so they had to retrain the donkeys. Oh my goodness. That's real transformation right there, bro. <laughs> that is a marker of transformation. Man, so there, there's so much more. I mean, wow. this, this revival touched Wales in a profound way. There's so much more we could go into. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the prayers of Evan Roberts was, bend the church, save the world. <laughs> bend the church and save the world. And so I want to... There's so much more we're going to, but I want to wrap this up because we really, we don't have a ton of time left and we want to talk some about the Azusa Street Revival. Maybe we'll have to go into more of this uh, next week in Azusa, but yeah. uh, G. Campbell Morgan said this of the revival. He went and he experienced it and this is what he said. If you and I could stand above whales looking at it, you would see fire breaking out here and there and yonder and somewhere else mm -hmm. without any collusion or prearrangement. Mm -hmm. It is a divine visitation in which God, let me say this reverently, in which God is saying to us, see what I can do without the things you are depending on. See what I can do in answer to a praying people. See what I can do through the simplest who are ready to fall in line and to, and to depend wholly and absolutely on me. And I think about that and I think about the times we live in when, you know, a pandemic restrictions yeah. with a reason for health purposes, all these different things. And there's moments where we don't have the lights. We don't have the epic band. We don't have, you know, the amazing building. 
and we things maybe in the past we depended on to set the mood. Yeah. Now it's like we're dependent on if God doesn't show up, mm. we're bankrupt. Mm. And I think that was the that was the heart cry of of the Welsh revival. And them is if if we don't have His presence, if the Spirit isn't poured out, why are we gathering? Mm. And so you know Evan Roberts. Uh, you know, he, he eventually got exhausted because he traveled so much. I mean, I don't know if he took a break. And so there's some different views on how his life ended. Um, but we know for one thing that he was God's chosen instrument to bring about a visitation in Wales that legitimately touched the globe and that we're still living in the effects of today. And, and you know, these last few minutes, we can see what we can get into here at the Azusa Street, but it had a direct uh, effect on Azusa Street, which we are living in the fruit of now and experiencing from. So, you know, in these last, you know, 10 minutes, maybe we can just get into a little bit of Azusa Street. I didn't realize, I did realize we were afraid this would happen. <laughs> yeah, we were thinking it could go two parts. But um, I've said enough, bro. Take us into, you know, Azusa yeah. Street. How was it? What, how was it linked? And any correlation you see that could be useful for us today. And I tell you, it's so good. Well, it's it's completely linked uh, because the reality is people began to, of course, hear what God was doing mm-hmm. in Wells, and it sparked them with that same hunger. Wow. They got gripped. I think that's the thing I, I love so much about the stories today and even some of the characters that I might briefly touch on. But there's so many different people that God uses Like we said, like it's not pointed back to like one man or one person. Like if Seth doesn't pray for, you know, um, Evan and Flory doesn't say what, you know, it's it's all, it's our simple obedience changes history. And I feel like maybe that's where we should wrap up today. Mm. I mean, I I can get into Azusa more and more, but I think where where I really want to land the plane is this. So just to give a brief overview of Azusa before I think we got like five more minutes. Yeah. So Azusa Street, there's these people that begin to hear and visit Wells. And so there's this specific pastor. His name is Pastor Smell at First Baptist Church in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And he gets so gripped with what's happening in Wells. He's like, look, I'm changing my whole entire church. Wow. We're not doing church as normal. We're having prayer meetings. Wow. And so he starts that same thing. Mm. Well, then there's this other character. Um, his name's Frank Bartleman. He goes through a major life event where he loses his young three, four-year-old daughter. Mm. And he gets crypt with saying, God, I'm giving you my whole life. I, I don't even want to use time for sorrow. I, I, I have to give you my whole mm. life. God so grips him that he begins to do the same thing, begins to fast and pray with the urging of God. I want to see an outpouring Mm. of your spirit. Well, there's this other man that gets caught up in this divine storyline that only God can write. And his name is William Seymour. Mm -hmm. And William Seymour was an African-American man whose father was actually in slavery. And and at this point in 1904, 1905, uh, William was 34, 35 years old. And he's serving um, as a waiter in this restaurant in Cincinnati. And this lady that he's um, waiting on that night tells him this story of how Bible times are happening today. Mm. 
And he's like, well, tell me more. And she begins to tell him about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this man by the name of Parnum and his teaching on this. And he's like, well, man, that is so interesting. She tells him more. He gets so gripped that he literally leaves everything wow. that night. Wow. To go and find Parnum's Bible School in Houston, wow. Texas. Now, this is so interesting. African-American male in that time, I think was 1904. This is like 40 years after the Civil War. Segregation was really strong. In fact, they, that particular Bible school still practiced it. So William Seymour is literally sitting, not in the classroom, but he's sitting outside listening wow. to the teachings of how to be filled with the Holy Spirit wow. and how to live a Spirit-empowered life. I think about that for a moment. Like, think about the humility. Think about, like, that process that he went through. I can't personally imagine mm. that. I mean, I would have been so offended and rejected and been like, what, you know, what's going on? But yeah. no, he pressed in because he wanted God so mm. badly. So anyway, to make a long story short, he ends up getting the first invitation out of that Bible school to come preach in Los Angeles, California. Wow. And he comes to Los Angeles and this lady by the name of Miss Hutchins mm. has him at his church and he begins to teach on Acts 2 and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he had not yet experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, wow. He was just preaching the scriptures, wow. longing for yeah, it. That's awesome. Well, the lady realizes, my goodness, like he hasn't even experienced it. She gets frustrated and Two days after him being there, he comes back to the church padlocked. Like wow. he was kicked out of the church he came to wow. minister at. Now, this is not like he can just jump on a flight back home. Yeah. Like the Wright brothers were just getting started. <laughs> yeah. He, he took a train, like they raised crazy wow. money, and he's stuck in Los Angeles. <laughs> wow. And there's some people at the church that were a little bit more interested secretively. And they said, hey, won't you come over to our house mm. and we'll pray. And so they meet at this place in Los Angeles, California. Wow. I've been there called Bonnie Bray Street. And they begin to pray and get gripped by heaven. Wow. And then he begins to teach the scriptures. And on April 9th of 1906, it says that the Holy Spirit was poured out as he was teaching out of Acts 2-4. Wow. And I just want to read Acts 2-4. I literally think we don't have hardly any yeah. more time because unfortunately, uh, I think our thing's literally going to end. We're running out of time. So I'm going to read this verse and we'll just have to continue this yeah. for a later moment. But man, isn't this a good commercial break to Let's come go. to? Here we go. Acts 2-4. Here it is. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never heard. And what would go on to happen is literally hundreds and hundreds of millions of people would be impacted wow. by what started in a living room from hearing the stories of what happened in Wells. Wow. And so I'm just getting hit with faith right now that literally... I just want to do the Bible. Mm. I personally, I grew up in a conservative background, Southern Baptist. 
I, I, I've not known too much about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, mm. but I've read it in Scripture and I've experienced it for myself, and it's forever marked and changed my life. And I'm telling you this right now. Revival is not possible mm. without Him. Yeah. We need That's the right. Holy Spirit. Spirit. That's and right. so we're going to talk more about Azusa and all that began to break out maybe at a later time. Yeah, we later have to series. we're living in the fruit of Azusa Street. I mean, the, the Pentecostal movement in the earth was born at Azusa Street. And so we, ha- we, have, to, we have to go back into this because it's, it's something that we're gleaning from today and we're receiving from. Come on, bro. The hunger and the sacrifice that those who went before us. And I just think now, like, how many people are watching in a house right now that could have the Holy Spirit fill your house? So, you know, we'll, we'll go into this more, but why don't you pray for us yes. today and just receive today the Holy Spirit. I really believe God's, he's stirring something in us for revival because he's longing to pour out his spirit in a fresh way, but the reality is it it probably won't look like it did in the past to a certain degree. He always is doing something new. That's right. And so there's a new wine being poured out with that is going to require a new container yeah. to hold it. And so would you just pray for us today that this fire would hit our hearts uh, in a fresh way and that God would have his way in us? Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to pray, but I'm going to read one last line out of this yeah, book. It's good. And it says this, Frank Bartleman, remember that guy? He'd been praying in Los Angeles. He comes into the Bonnie Bray Street where William Seymour was, and the outpouring had just started just a few days before. And he writes this line as he's discovering what he's prayed for. He says, the pioneers had broken through for the multitudes to follow. Wow. And so, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that everyone who's watching this, you're a pioneer. You're breaking through to a new thing, a new wave, a new move of the Holy Spirit of God. And I pray right now in Jesus' name, God, that you would raise up pioneer prayer warriors right now. You would raise up these fresh and new prayer meetings that would cry out and contend for a move of your spirit. Jesus, we say we need you. God, we need to be consumed by your fire. We need to be consumed by your Holy Spirit. So Jesus, we ask God that you would pour out on a generation and that you would grip us so that we would see multitudes, that we would truly see a billion souls come to know you in our day in Jesus' Jesus name. Amen. Let's go, man. So fun. What an epic revival conversation. I know we literally went so long. We couldn't even like finish. So, uh, yeah, maybe we'll go into it next time. Maybe the Lord will lead us to a different revival, but we pray that your appetite was stirred. (laughs) So go study more, look into these revivals and we will see you next week. Later. Be blessed. Thanks for listening to a Circle Rider podcast. For our full library of podcasts and more information about the Circuit Riders, visit us at circuitriders.com. To access worship, messages, and training courses, visit us at circuitriders.tv. To get involved with the day-to-day of what we do or see what's happening across the globe, you can follow us at Circuit Riders on Instagram. And finally, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time.